The views expressed on this program are solely those of the speaker and do not reflect the views and opinions of Centennial Securities. Be reminded that this podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Happy Friday! Welcome to the Weekly Investment Podcast, where we discuss the week's must-know investment news and how it affects your money. I am your host, Walter. This week we discuss China's economy, legacy telecom, and an earnings extravaganza. It's been another exciting week in the investment world, so let's crack right into the news. Data released on Monday showed that China's economy grew by 6.3% in the second quarter, compared with a year earlier. While that sounds impressive, it was slower than expected, and the figure was achieved thanks to a low base set in 2022, when Shanghai and other cities were locked down due to COVID restrictions. Just how bad is China's economy doing right now, and where is their hope for growth? According to official government data, China's economy grew by only 0.8% in the second quarter, compared with the first three months of the year, which is an annualized rate of only 3.2%. The official data, however, is being questioned, and public complaints suggest the economy is doing even worse than the official figures suggest. One commentator put it as being, quote, a temperature difference, end quote, between the macroeconomic data and public sentiment. One bright spot that the Chinese government can point to is a strong jobs market. China's post-COVID economic reopening has been led by the services industry, like restaurants that tend to be more labor-intensive. China's cities have added almost 7 million jobs in the first six months of the year, more than half of the government's 12 million target for the year. And although unemployment among urban youth is above 21%, the overall jobless rate remained around 5% in June. Another positive from China's economic struggles is a shift in the willingness to engage in diplomatic talks with geopolitical rivals. The change in tone is particularly visible in China's relations with the United States. Despite several years of efforts to become less dependent on each other, the two countries remained closely linked economically and account for two-fifths of global trade. Recently, there have been a number of high-profile meetings between Chinese and American delegations to help improve relations. On Tuesday, AT&T shares fell to their lowest closing price since 1993, and Verizon shares fell to their lowest closing level since 2010 before both paired their losses later this week. Why the downbeat tone for legacy telecom companies? AT&T stock fell following a report earlier this month that some of the country's largest network providers left thousands of lead-covered cables in several locations across the United States. The Wall Street Journal reported that companies including Verizon and AT&T left cables coated in lead in the U.S. ground, water, and on transmission poles. That report prompted a flurry of downgrades from analysts, leading to the steep sell-off in telecom stocks. Analysts at Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley 
both estimated that the removal of these lead sheathed cables could cost AT&T up to $4 billion. The telecom companies have pushed back on that notion, saying that the lead cables make up only a small part of their wireline networks in an effort to ease fears of an expensive cleanup. Clearly, there will be financial and reputational risks for the legacy telecommunication companies, and how they react will have a cost, one way or another. Just don't expect a quick resolution here, as court cases will take months and maybe even years to conclude. Year-to-date, AT&T stock is down 22%, Verizon down 16%, and Frontier Communications down 34%. It was a huge week for earnings, as some of the biggest companies announced their second quarter results. What did the earnings extravaganza tell us about major U.S. companies, the economy, and the consumer? Tesla beat earnings estimates. However, the stock dropped nearly 10%. Despite Tesla's earnings beat, things aren't getting easier for the electric vehicle leader. New car prices are lower, and profit margins continue to drop. The decline in both prices and margins was not necessarily unexpected, because selling EVs has been a lot tougher this year than it was in 2022. Tesla's results highlight the problem that the entire auto industry is having, namely selling more EVs in a high interest rate environment. In the meantime, inventories continue to rise. On the company's earnings call, CEO Elon Musk said, quote, we are in turbulent times, end quote. Bank of America shares climbed more than 8% this week after reporting second-quarter profit and revenue that beat expectations. The company benefited from more interest income, or the difference between the interest banks earn on loans and then pay out on deposits. Not all is rosy in the banking industry, as Goldman Sachs reported a sharp drop in profit on Wednesday as deal-making and trading, a core part of the bank's business, dried up. Goldman also reported a nearly $1 billion reduction in the value of its consumer and real estate business, which hurt the bottom line. Regional bank PNC Financial Services Group cut its forecast for full-year net interest income, which cast a shadow over the lender's second-quarter earnings beat. Also, PNC set aside $146 million for potential credit losses in the second quarter this year, compared to just $36 million a year earlier. On Thursday, Johnson & Johnson reported second quarter revenue and adjusted earnings that topped Wall Street's expectations, mainly due to strong sales growth from the company's medtech business. The medtech division provides devices for surgeries, orthopedics, and vision, and the company is benefiting from a rebound in demand for non-urgent surgeries among older adults who deferred those procedures during the COVID pandemic. Johnson & Johnson's financial results are considered a bellwether for the broader health sector, so improved full-year guidance was welcome news. J&J's quarterly results come amid investor anxiety over the lawsuits, claiming that the company's talc-based baby powder and other products caused cancer. Johnson & Johnson also reported this week that its shareholders will soon be able to swap their shares for stock of Kenview, which spun out as an independent consumer health company just two months ago. 
Kenview will own popular brands like Aveeno, Band-Aid, Benadryl, Johnson's Baby, Listerine, Mylanta, Neutrogena, Tylenol, and Visine. Johnson & Johnson owns nearly 90% of Kenview shares and plans to reduce its stake through an exchange offer that could launch as early as the next few days, according to Johnson & Johnson CEO Joseph Walk. According to the New York Times, while the consumer health business operates many well-known brands, it is not nearly as lucrative as the pharmaceutical and medical device sectors, who combined have revenue of $77 billion, which dwarfs the $15 billion consumer health business. Next week, we discuss the Fed's policy meeting. Will rates go higher? And what will Jerome Powell say about the state of the economy? Join us next Friday for that and much, much more. Thank you for listening, and please have a nice weekend when you get there. Talk to you next week.